Great. Um, if you have been around the last couple of Sundays, well done, because we had our gift day. If you gave to the gift day, well done, you did absolutely brilliant. Um, if you haven't given yet, that was a knowing laugh, Steve. You haven't missed your opportunity. So you can, um, if you want, make a pledge, grab a pledge form, go to the information desk at the back in coffee box, and you can still pledge. We're very happy for you to do it for the next, well, to be honest, the next year, actually. We're very open that way. Sooner the better. Blesses us um, if we know sooner rather than later. But I thought you might want to know how much money we've received. Yeah? Okay. Well, we, we received 90 pence in the pence column, Okay. We received six pounds in the single digit column. We received ten... No, oh, this isn't going to work. I'm going to lose track. So, <laughs> let me just tell you what the figure is. The, the figure is £110,526.90. Wow. Wow. A hundred and ten thousand five hundred and twenty six pounds and ninety pence. What an incredible, generous church you are. Just thank you so much. Um, as we send the Bexhill people on their way with love. As we prepare, oh, this is going to be a difficult morning. As we prepare for Central St. Leonard's, as we change the auditorium, as we look to reach people more effectively, we can do it because of your incredible generosity. And I, I know different ones of you have made sacrifices in different ways, and just really grateful for, for that. Absolutely amazing. Thank you, Lord, so much for the generosity in this church. I pray for every single person that um, has really stepped out their comfort zone in giving, um, maybe taken risks in it. Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you will multiply back um, their generosity on their heads in a wonderful, abundant way. I ask you, Lord God, that they will not lack because of their generosity. Lord, would you be with them, I pray. Bless them, I ask you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. We're continuing our Live Connected series. I'm, I'm trying to work out how to play it, but I think, I think what I'm going to do, and I'm going to give you some prior warning. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got five points. I have touched on these points before um, in a past preach, but I think as we go into the Connect groups, I think it's really important that we look at these things again. At the end of each point, I'm going to ask you to be really courageous and brave. And if you feel God speaking to you at the end of this point, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand. We're going to pray for the blessing of God on you. We're going to pray that God will help you. Then you can sit down again. I'll do the next point, and then I'll give you an opportunity to stand for the next thing. Okay? So I'm putting myself out there because I can see on each point how effective I've been <laughs> or not. But I'm asking your, for your boldness in response to that. Becky, could you come up? Becky's going to pray for the anointing of God upon us during the preach. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your words, Lord. We thank you. We say we're so excited about what you're going to do. Lord, I just pray for us as a congregation here today. Lord, just for courage. Lord, just for freedom from fear. Lord God, just to hear your voice and let it make lasting changes and produce fruit in our lives. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all you're going to do. Lord, we're excited. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Becky. Brilliant. Live Connected Preach Series, we're the third out of four, so we've got one more next Sunday. Um, This morning we're going to be looking at the whole subject of Together in Values. Connect groups that we have launched have got two main purposes. One is to build friendships, to build relationships among us. That we would, uh, as it were, put those relational connections out and we would mutually support, love one another, have an opportunity to connect in that way. Which you can't really do when there's 400 of you gathered on a Sunday morning, but you can when there's a dozen of you in the front room. And as we've already heard... um, Uh, I mean, it it sounds quite amazing, you know, opportunities where people have been laughing together, um, people have been crying together as they've opened up their lives and shared what's going on there. You can connect at a relational level um, in a way that you can't when you're in this sort of setting. But we also want them to be a place where discipleship occurs, where we grow more and more to look like Jesus, our saviour. As we talk with one another, as we pray for one another, we may even on occasion within connect groups challenge one another. You know, is, is that attitude, is that quite lining up um, with what the Bible says? Is, is that what Jesus looks like when you respond in that way? And so our heart over these next 10 months as we meet together in connect groups is that we will both grow both relationally, um, but we will also grow in discipleship um, as well, that we will have both those things um, occurring. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 30 and 32, it says this, And Jesus said, with what can you compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up to become larger than all the garden plants, and puts out branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. Jesus used many different parables or illustrations to communicate about the kingdom. And this is one of the ones he used. He said, it's like a gardener. It's like Brian. Brian is an excellent, excellent gardener. Um, He's nearly as gifted as me. I know. But it's like he goes out into one of his gardens and he takes the smallest of seeds, a mustard seed, and he plants it in the ground. And although it doesn't immediately spring to life, over time it grows and it grows and it grows until it is the biggest plant in the garden. To the point where even birds can nest in it. And the kingdom of God is like that. And there are two particular, I think, applications for that. One of them is in a more general worldwide sense. The kingdom of God 2,000 years ago started in a very small way, in a very small nation, in a very back, uh, I was going to say backward, I didn't mean that, um, back, back water, yes, a backwater place like Nazareth where, where 
It, was, it could easily have been missed. People will walk around Nazareth not to go through it. But it started in a very small place. Even at the end of Jesus' life, there was only a dozen disciples or so, and they'd all run away. It was nearly insignificant, but it has grown, and it has grown, and it has grown, until it fills the whole earth, until Jesus returns to gather a bride to himself from every nation, from every people, from every language, that they may declare the praises of him. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is what we are part of. You may look around and think, hey, we're not very big even in comparison to Hastings. When 60 or so go off to Bexhill, you may be thinking we're not very big in comparison to that either. But we're part of an ever-expanding kingdom. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is in charge of it all. And he said his kingdom will expand. His rule and reign will permeate every strata of society. It will make a difference in people's lives. And we're part of that kingdom. We are marching on. We have the baton in our hand to do our bit. So we can take it at a sort of a worldwide um, level, but we can also take it as an individual level too. You know, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that 30 years ago got planted in my heart. And at the time, I didn't fully comprehend everything that was going on. As a child, I was asked, do you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? And with the understanding and the knowledge that I knew at that time, I responded and said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Lord, forgive me for my sin. I'm giving my life to follow you. You are both my Saviour and my Lord. And over time, this seed has grown bigger and bigger and bigger. And I've understood more fully what it means to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. And I've had to take things off that were to do with my, own, my old identity, things that shouldn't be there anymore. And I've put on new things. Why? Because I have been mystically, wonderfully united with Jesus Christ. And the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is flowing through me. So how can I stay the same any longer? How can I walk as I used to walk? How is it I can leave the same bad attitudes and uh, uh, feelings unchecked? Because I've been united with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is changing me from one degree of glory to the next. And over time, this little mustard seed of the gospel grows as I respond to his grace in my life. As I give him room in my heart and I look to keep in step with him, his kingdom grows in me. His kingdom is revealed in me in different places. It's a lifelong thing until I stand before him. And I see him face to face. And I will be like him. I will be like him. The kingdom of God. A mustard seed growing in my life. The kingdom of God having such an impact in my life today. That I respond differently to the situations that I find myself in. Because of the kingdom of God. Because of his rule and reign. In situations where I would have responded in fear, I respond in courage. In situations where I would have responded with grumbling, 
I respond in rejoicing. In situations where I would have put a bit of a facade up because I was worried about people seeing who I really was, I take that step of faith and drop the facade and I'm authentic and let people see who I really am and trust they're going to love me anyway. Instead of looking on situations and judging them from the outside, not really knowing what's going on, but I will pass my judgment, I honour. And I see the value in the people made in the image of God. Instead of facing a situation with maybe prudence or stinginess, because of the work of grace, because it's an ever-expanding kingdom in my life, I respond in generosity. Whether it's giving myself, giving my emotion, giving my finance, giving my time, but I respond in a generous way. What I want to do is just briefly look at five key values that we want to see grow and develop in us as a church, that we believe connect groups are really important means of seeing these things grow and what I want to do is just preach into it a little bit and give us a chance individually just to respond to each one are you up for that yeah are your legs all moving could just can you wiggle your ankles around a little bit I just want to make sure that at that appropriate moment when you need to stand I don't want your legs falling away from under you okay just making sure because I know I know normally during preaches you don't have to stand but In this one we are. So what are these five values that we really want to see growing within Kings? As we go off and send uh, the guys to Beck's Hill, what do we want them to look like? When visitors come through the doors at the Izzard Centre, where we're praising and glorifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, what do we want? What do we want them to see? Well, the first thing we want to see is we want to see a courageous people. We want to see a people that their response is one of courage. And if you look at the early church, particularly in the book of Acts, that is one of their most obvious qualities. It it just is. We've actually done a whole series on it a few years ago, if you want to look back into it, the beginning of Acts. Nelson Mandela said this, I learned that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. How do you triumph over fear? What has God given us in order that we can triumph over fear? Well, courage comes from two places. Firstly, it's from knowing the love of God. It says in 1 John 4, 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. When we know that God loves us, it makes us brave. When we know that God loves us, it gives us courage. Love and courage go hand in hand. You might think, how can that be? Because I know that God loves me, yet... I'm often fearful. How, how can it be that that verse must be wrong? That there is no fear in love and perfect love casts out fear. And I, to us, I was thinking about that because each of these values, 
I'm definitely a work in progress. I'm not even going to give you the opportunity to ask Chloe how I'm doing. I mean, just take my word for it. I'm, I've got a long way to go. But how, how can that be? And I, I just felt maybe a helpful illustration here. If one of you ran outside the building at the end of meet, the meeting, slipped over on the pavement and gashed all your leg up, you'd need to go to the first aid box. You'd need to get the antiseptic cream. You'd need to apply that cream to the cut. You would need to apply it to the area. Just knowing that there is antiseptic cream in the box will not help you with that gash. Even knowing how the antiseptic cream was manufactured is not actually going to help you in that situation. You need to take it and apply it to the wound in order to deal with it. And that's exactly what we need to do when it comes to the love of God. We need to take God's great and wonderful love and apply it to our fears. That is why, for instance, when we worshipped this morning, it was so glorious. Because I imagine, I'm pretty certain that for some of you, you walked in here and you had a whole load of concerns and worries in the back of your mind. But as you worshipped, and as you remembered and reminded yourself and declared how good God is and how much he loves you, do you know what happened? Your fears shriveled and your faith grew as you experienced the love of God. And as Christians, we need to be really good at taking this truth and applying it to the problems and the troubles that we have in our lives, worshipping our way out of it, grasping hold of some of these wonderful promises that if Jesus Christ died for me, that shows that I am loved by God, the creator of the earth. And you're, you're praying that out into your fear. If I'm adopted as a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, how much that shows that the Father loves me. And we need to apply it liberally to our fears and our concerns and not just allow them to fester and grow. Does that make any sense? Does that? There's a few of you nodding. That makes sense. We, we need the Holy Spirit, we need his anointing, we need his help, but we need to wrestle, fight, apply liberally the love of God into situations where we are struggling. It will not just happen automatically. Do not be an expert in the love of God, but not know how to apply it into your life. So the love of God is one way we triumph over fear. The other thing is just by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit falls. The disciples are a different group of people on the back of it. Acts 4 verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders. And then he went in to give them some. He went for it. He was so bold and he was so timid in Acts chapter 1, so bold by the time he gets to Acts chapter 2. The main thing that has happened is he has been filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you a question? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Are you full of him? Together in courage. 
in spite of fear. Can I ask you if right now there are specific areas that are causing you to fear or be anxious? Can I just ask you to be really bold? It may even be this what I'm about to ask you to do does this. Could you stand? Well done. Right. If you're not standing, can you just put out your hands towards people? Is that all right, the ones that are standing? If you're close enough um, and appropriate, just put a hand on a shoulder or something, you might want to stand next to people. Lord, I just want to thank you that we are united with you, Jesus. I want to pray, Lord God, for every single person standing, Lord, that they will have fresh revelation at how much the Father loves them. I ask you, I ask you fresh revelation of the Father's love invading their souls. I pray a concept that has made its home in their heads but maybe hasn't completely settled in their hearts when it comes to the the, the trials and the challenges they are facing at the moment. Lord, I ask you for breakthrough. I ask you, Lord God, you'd help them to apply your love to daily situations, helping them to come through in this, I ask. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill them right now? Just a fresh filling, bubbling up of you, Holy Spirit, bringing courage right in the midst of challenges and difficulties, I ask. I pray this week will be a week of breakthrough for every single person who is standing. Lord, maybe the circumstances won't change, maybe they will. But I ask, Lord God, that they will be courageous men and women. Seeing fear overcome as they encounter your love in fresh ways from your word. And as you, Holy Spirit, fill them again and again. Come and do it, I pray, in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well done for standing. Well done. The second value that, that we want to see in, exhibited is that we would be together in joy. I wonder if this is the hardest one. Um, partly because if you are going through circumstances that, that are causing you to grumble, or if you're going through circumstances that are causing pain, joy does seem so much the exact opposite direction to it. Father, I ask you right now, just as I spend a few moments looking at this, for your, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you prepare our hearts. I pray would you um, just settle upon us afresh. I pray for compassion, your compassion, that you feel our pain, you know our pain, you care for us. I ask you would experience that afresh. This isn't about putting on a false smile or pretending everything is fine. Nor does it remove the opportunity to ask questions. You know, what, why is it like that? Why, why is it happening like this? But it's about accessing what God has given us. It's about finding him 
in the midst of the pain and the disappointment. Joy flows from various places, but let me just give you a few of them. Joy firstly flows from our salvation. It flows from the fact that we know we are saved, that we are redeemed, (laughs) that God has been gracious to me. It says in Romans 5 verse 2, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our salvation. Joy comes up. I I don't know, have you? I'm sure many of you have. You've experienced it where you have turned up to a Christian meeting and you haven't felt on best form. May only be me, of course, that's been like that. But as I have focused on the truth, as I've sung out and actually physically engaged, as my vocal cords have done the very best they can, um, not always very good, in singing out the truth, as I've raised my hands or knelt down or as I've jumped up and down um, in an undignified way, as I've done those things, what I've found is joy starting to spring up from inside of me. Why? Not just because I'm trying to be happy, but because I'm connecting with the joy that can be found in the salvation that we have as Christians. We are the most blessed people on the face of the planet. We are. I know not all of you are convinced, but we are. We need to pickle ourselves in the goodness of God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is also closely linked to joy. By the way, there is a common theme coming through here. You'll notice that basically Holy Spirit is one of the primary movers when it comes to these characteristics that we're looking at, whether courage or joy. One of the phrases in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6 is, with joy in the Holy Spirit. Our Holy Spirit is joyful. And as we are filled in him, with him, His joy overflows in our lives. Amen? Good, good, good. Joy is supernatural and not just linked to circumstances. So, in the world, we try and line our circumstances up so that we will be joyful. I will go out on a Friday, I won't, but people go out on a Friday night in order to be joyful, to be happy. They try and line their circumstances up. I will go on a wonderful cruise to the Caribbean. Why? Because that will make me happy. That will bring joy to my life. None of those things particularly are bad things, but the difference with Christian joy is that it appears we can be joyful in spite of our circumstances. That it's a characteristic of who we are. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1 and 2. This church in Macedonia um, is quite incredible. Paul was writing about them. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For For in severe test of affliction, anyone want that? No, I don't want it. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That, that formula doesn't work right, does it? It sort of defies logic. So let's throw in a bit of a severe test of affliction first. 
Then we mix some abundant joy. We don't know where that came from, but the abundant joy is going in as well. Oh, but they are, they've, they've got extreme poverty, so we will throw that in too. And what comes out when it's all mixed together is a wealth of generosity on their part. You think, how does that work? It's because we're not a natural people, we're a supernatural people. We have been united with Jesus Christ. We are. And there are sometimes default settings in our minds, in our feelings and in our attitudes that aren't who we now are. So we need to root those out. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to expose them. We need to repent of them. And as we repent of them, what we're doing is we're taking them off. And then we clothe ourselves with what is right by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So we look to find joy. I mean, if you, I've said this a number of times before, but I'm not very original, so I repeat myself until I think we've got it. So, um, but in Philippians, I mean, Philippians, if you haven't read it, is a masterclass of joy when circumstances are stacked against you. Just spend half an hour reading Philippians. It won't take you any longer than that. Underline every time Paul rejoices or talks about joy, and then also underline what he's rejoicing in. It doesn't make any sense, but he does it anyway, because he's not a natural person. He's supernatural. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's been united with Jesus Christ. If, if you are struggling to find joy in certain circumstances at the moment, and, and you just feel the Holy Spirit prompting you. Because so, really, in some ways, all of us could stand for this. But if you are struggling and you know the Holy Spirit's just pinpointing it now, could you just stand and I'd like to pray for you. Now, church, do you know what I want you to do? Yeah? So, so why don't you do that? I don't want anyone standing who doesn't know they've got someone next to them praying for them. Is that all right? Great. Might mean you guys in the middle block aren't standing as often. Now, I don't know if you're just a bit stuck in your ways or whether you're a bit holier than the other lot, okay? But I'm just, you know, just commenting. Okay. Lord, I want to pray for an overflowing of joy and grace in spite of the afflictions and the circumstances that they're finding themselves in. I ask you for your grace to come right now. I pray where real pain, real anxiety is being faced. Maybe confusion. God, how, if you love me, are you allowing this to take place? Lord, I ask you for fresh faith to battle for joy. I pray for a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. I ask you, would you reveal where the enemy is getting in through lies? In thinking, I break despondency. In Jesus' name, you have no right to be in this place. You have no right to be in the life, lives of these believers who are standing right now. Despondency, go in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, for your power to fall. I pray for a fresh joy in salvation, I ask. I pray for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well done for standing. Well done. No pressure, middle block. Three more, okay? 
So third one, together in authenticity. So whatever you do, don't just stand because you think you should. No facades there. Only stand if you think it's right. Okay. So together in authenticity, there are two aspects for this. Firstly, as followers of Jesus, we shine with integrity and purity. My Sunday mornings and my Wednesday mornings match up. My inside private world and my outside public world match up. I'm not living life trying to please people. Rather, I'm living to please God. I'm living with an audience of one that there is an authenticity within my life. A people who shine with truth, integrity and purity. It says in Philippians 2 verses 14 and 15, do everything without grumbling or arguing. I, I referenced that a few weeks ago. I mean, it's mad, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever read the Bible and thought, it's mad. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Wow. So that you may become blameless and pure. Wow. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Isn't that what we want to do? I mean, I don't know. For for a long time, I thought, you know, the whole shining like stars in the sky was much more reference to me preaching the gospel to my friends. But in reality, it's nothing to do with that. It's just not grumbling and complaining. Wow, who ever thought something as simple as that would cause you to shine? Like stars on the darkest of nights. Wow. Oh God, give us grace as a church. But secondly, we are an authentic people who have genuine and real open, genuine open relationships with others. A few people in the church who know you, support you and love you. They know your weaknesses and your gifts. They give you courage to keep going. They bear with you. They carry your burdens. You do life with them. Now, there won't be many at Kings that you do that with. But if there's a handful, if there's just a few that really know you in that way, that is awesome. And that is why one of the reasons we're doing Connect Groups. Just that opportunity to develop that sort of relationship. We all need genuine relationships with other people, otherwise we get sick as Christians. You won't grow right, you'll grow wonky. You will. If you're not tied in relationship to other people that annoy and frustrate you, that love you enough to tell you stuff even when it hurts. You're not going to grow straight. You're going to be, you are, you're going to be all wonky. For some of you, you're looking in and you're not part of a church yet. I'd invite you to explore joining us, but if not joining us, join somewhere. Because Christians don't grow well on their own. They're meant to be with other people. Now, standing up for this one is is hard. So what I want you to do is, if you know that you are not 
in a certain part of your life, shining with integrity and purity. God's, the Holy Spirit's highlights saying to you right now, and you've just got to deal with it. That will be one of the reasons you can stand. The other reason you can stand is if you're just saying, you're making a decision right now that I'm going to step into relationship with others at King's. I'm going to make a decision to not stand and wait for it to happen to me, but I'm going to step into it. I'm going to take some risks. I'm going to look to develop relationship. And as you stand today, you're making that decision. Look, I'm, it's a bit scary, but I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to make some decisions to be authentic. If you fit into either of those categories, could you please stand? And we will applaud your courage. Well done. Well done. Brilliant. Oh. Can we just put our hands to people, to those that stand? I want them to know they're not on their own. Lord, I, I love the authenticity, the courage. Just express right now. Lord, I pray that they will know your closeness as they stand. I ask you if for some of them there are areas of compromise or impurity. If that is the case, you might not want to do it now, but that opportunity, you just need to come before him and repent. Ask for forgiveness. I'm sure you'll have done it before, but you do it again. You might need to even share with someone you trust, just so they can stand with you in prayer, not proposing, don't do it now. But I want to applaud you. Say, well done for standing. Well done for being brave. I ask for those right now that have stood up because they want to buy into authentic community. They want to step into relationship. And maybe they've been hurt in the past. Maybe they've been let down by churches. Maybe they've been let down by us. Lord, I ask you for courage to pursue relationships, to put themselves out there, to go along to a connect group, to be willing just to open up and share their lives. I ask you, Lord God, that they'd know your grace and your comfort in this. I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you sit? You have been... Brilliant. Wow. I thought I was through four and I'm only through three. So, um, together in honour, the fourth one. Honour's all about where you place value. It's giving value to what God values. In Genesis 1 verse 27 it says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. Therefore we're set apart from all other living things on the planet because we're defined by our likeness to God. Our God-likeness is what defines us. In Psalm 8 verse 5 it says about men and women... Yet you have made them a little lower than the heavenly beings and you have crowned them with glory and honour. 
Each human life is a masterpiece of unique and irreplaceable value and our dignity and our significance comes from our God-likeness and not our abilities. That, that is what God says about us. He has placed worth in us. Not, not because we are rich, not because we are well-educated, not because we can do lots of things or speak well, or because you come from the right family, or any of those things. You have dignity and honour before God because you've been created in his likeness. Therefore, you are valuable Therefore, human beings are valuable. Could I just ask you under your breath, just to repeat the words, I am valuable to God. Just under your... I am valuable. Why don't you repeat that? I am valuable. You are. Not on what we can do, not on what we can contribute. We're just valuable because we're created in God's image. That speaks about issues to do with unborn babies created in the image of God before they've ever done anything and how we need to care for the unborn, it speaks into end-of-life care and how we care for the elderly or those near the end of their lives, even though they can't contribute or do things for themselves, we care for them and we love them because they are made in the image of God. It's who we are as human beings. How do we work this out in our everyday life? I mean, for me, if I'm honest, Paul, how do you work this honour thing out in your everyday life? I think for me, it's slowing down and giving the person in front of me time, love and attention. If I'm honest, I can be in such a rush and tear to get stuff done. I just need to slow down and see what God is doing in front of me. For others of you, and hopefully this won't be like a bomb exploding, but for others of you, you just need to say the last 10% of the conversation. You know that, that when you get to the point where you know you really do need to talk to someone because something that they've done isn't right or it's hurt you or it's brought offence. And you, you want to do it in love. You want to do it because you want to support them and help them. But you back off from that last 10%, that difficult bit in the conversation. And you never quite go there because you're afraid of offending them or you're afraid of what the repercussions might be. But you know what? Honour for you might be saying the last 10% in love because they really do need to hear it. And you've got to say it. It's not about being soft or a doormat. It's about honouring people created in the image of God. It's maybe for others of us not leading on criticism. I hope I'm the only person here who can fall into this trap, but I fear I may not. How often it is it when you see something 
whether on the news or see something happening around you, and your first response is to find fault in what happened. And and it's, it's, it's not necessarily wrong to look to improve and make things better. But that's the first thing. Or or we judge the situation or the person. And we don't really know what's going on. We're very black and white when it comes to other people. We're a thousand... No. And what I was going to say then might not have been the right thing. But anyway, we are all sorts of degrees of shades of grey when it comes to ourselves. We have all sorts of excuses why we acted as we acted. But when it comes to someone else, that was wrong... That's what they should have done. Honour doesn't give us room to be like that. I think actually it's a problem British people have. They can be very critical. Very quick to pass judgement. If you want to deal with that this morning, can I ask you to stand? Be bold. Well done. Give you a bit of time, there might be a few more. Jump up on your feet. Lord, I thank you we're created in your image. I thank you, Lord God, that you expressed extreme mercy and grace to us when we really didn't deserve it. That was the fact of the matter. We didn't deserve an ounce of it, and yet you gave so much to us. Lord, I pray would we exhibit a a measure of that love and acceptance to those around us rather than leading on criticism, rather than leading on judgment, Lord, I pray particularly for those who have stood and they know that they need to say the last 10%. They know they've got to have that difficult conversation, do it in love, but say those things that are difficult to be said. It's the right thing to do. Lord, I pray you'd give them great wisdom. I ask you, Lord, that your grace would be all over. I pray they'd pick the right moment. I pray you'd help them to come in an appropriate way. But I pray, Lord, it would be a successful, God-honouring, God-building conversation that sees kingdom advance. Lord, I ask you for your blessing in this. Amen. Well done for standing. Well done for your openness to it. And the last one is generosity. Together in generosity. Living lives that overflow with generosity to other people. This can be expressed in various ways. Kindness, time, emotion, what we do with our money and possessions, how we spend our energy. We are called to be a generous people because God has been so generous generous with us. Acts 4 verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of his things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common. That was, a, that was an account of the early church, this overflowing generosity and openness. We live generous lives because we have a generous Father who has lavished his grace on us. Generosity is a byproduct of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It can be expressed, like I say, in so many ways. Generosity can be expressed in sacrifice, in just taking the time out, although it costs you, to spend it with someone else. It can be expressed in in just being warm and welcoming to people. It can be expressed in serving with excellence. 
it can be expressed in just being generous with your possessions. It can be expressed in being generous with your money. God has called us to be together in generosity. You have already expressed over the last two Sundays how generous you are with your finance. What does it look like to be generous in your workplace with your family? What does it mean to go above and beyond the normal or the expected? If you'd like to respond to that, why don't you just stand? Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your favour and your grace upon us. Lord, I pray as a community of people, would we be increasingly generous? I pray with our emotion, with our time, with who we are, both to those inside the church and those outside. We ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Instead of fear, courage, instead of grumbling, rejoicing, instead of a facade, authenticity, instead of judgment, honour, instead of being prudent or stingy, generosity. Lord, I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you, Lord God, for who they are. I ask you, Lord, that we will continue to overflow more and more with these characteristics. I pray, Lord God, that um, as we uh, move forward together into venues, as we move forward together into connect groups, would these um, uh, values be more and more seen among us, clearly expressed between us. Lord God, I ask for your grace. I pray for your empowering in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Excellent. Well done. Thank you uh, so much for being here. Thank you for your attentiveness. Apologies for overrunning. I forgot what time we finished. Um, But um, do hang around. Um, If you're visiting, please head to the welcome area. It'd be great to meet you. Um, And uh, have a great week. Thank you very much.